Hello out there on the internet, I am Matthew Galt and this is Cyber Collapse. It's the word on everybody's lips. Silicon Valley Bank and Signature, they are no more. The the bank's folks, they have collapsed. But don't worry, these aren't your typical local banks. SVB and Signature were not the kinds of places that working class folks were holding checking accounts. These were massive institutions that propped up America's ailing tech sector. And if you've been hustled by an NFT startup in the past year, well, there's a good chance it had deposits at SVB. But now they're gone, and after some panic, it looks like America's blessed institutions are working as intended. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, it's going to clean all this up. But should they? Well, with me here to talk about that today is Motherboard Managing Editor Jordan Pearson. Jordan, how are you this fine day? Hello, hello. I'm, uh, you know, love the smell of banking collapse in the morning. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think any of us really love that, but we're here to talk about it. It's frightening because, um, you know, I know there was this sense kind of over the weekend and on Friday that every time you heard any kind of banking news, you were like, oh, oh sh- crap, is it beginning? Is this is this when it reverberates out? Right. Um, I know I was talking to some friends that were constantly checking to see if they if their bank was in any way tied into SVB and if they were going to have problems. And it seems like everything's maybe going to be fine for normal people. I think that's that's kind of the vibe right now. Like, you know, these um, these banks, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank have been placed into receivership. They're looking for a sale. Depositors are backstopped, um, you know, uh Banking stocks kind of across the board fell yesterday, some of them pretty severely. Um, but so far on Tuesday morning, um, you know, things are back up. Dow Jones is back up um, and all signs are OK so far. I mean, things could change, but uh, it's looking like uh, the contagion, as they call it, just like that spread of panic um, has for now sort of been contained. The stocks people, they're doing fine. Everything's going to be OK. <laughs> Yeah, as long as they're okay. You know? Right. Like the stock market is the economy, of course. And as long as the Dow Jones is up, which, uh, as I checked before we got on this call, is up like 400 points, everything's gravy, baby. Um, but to back up just a minute, just a minute. Okay, so Jordan, this time last week, Silicon Valley Bank was an A-plus rated bank, considered a very safe bet, one of the least risky places to invest your money. What happened? Yeah. So it's, 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 I think when we talk about SVB, we have to talk about another bank also that failed. So there were three banks that failed. Um, two of them are SVB and Signature, but the first one to fail was a bank called Silvergate, um, which also banked the cryptocurrency industry. So Silvergate goes under, um, people are kind of like, oh, maybe it was just the crypto, maybe it's fine. And then Silicon Valley Bank goes under, uh, and then the panic sort of really starts. Um, so what happened at both of these banks and Signature is essentially uh, a bank run. So that is when a bunch of depositors, kind of like a critical mass of depositors, probably amounting to billions and billions of dollars, all at once are sort of like they lose faith in the institution for whatever reason. And they're like, we got to take our money out. And because banks are not just sitting on your deposits, they're actually, uh, you know, investing with them. And it's called fractional reserve banking. Um, they don't have the liquidity to honor all of these uh, withdrawals at once and continue operating. So that's when they run into trouble. 
Uh, and that's basically what happened at SVB was uh, they had a bank run from their clients who are largely, you know, venture capitalists, uh, startup founders, um, and they all got together and decided to pull out at once. Uh, and that caused a bank run that sort of ended up in their collapse. Um, you know, they did, they, it's interesting because when we're talking about SVB, like what they were actually, uh, I mean, they were highly intertwined with the technology sector. They did equity investing and all of these things, but they also invent invested in, um, you know, like government bonds, like treasury securities, stuff that is supposed to be, uh, extremely safe. But what they found was that because of the high interest rate regime over the past um, little while, sort of combat inflation, that those securities, they could not sell them now um, to make a profit, essentially, and make enough money to cover those losses. So they had a bank run. They sort of run into this brick wall of current high interest rates and they're toast. FDIC steps in. They're in receivership. They're looking for a sale. And uh, that story sort of played out again at Signature, where they underwent a bank run and the FDIC stepped in. Sorry, I was muted. So it's almost literally like that scene in It's a Wonderful Life where uh, Jimmy Stewart is behind the, the 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 teller and telling everyone that he doesn't have their money, that somebody else has their money. Like that's what a bank run is, literally, but a, but a, on a massive billions and billions of dollar scale. Pretty much, yeah, and like you know going on over Twitter with people like freaking out and yeah, that was, it's the end of everything. That was one of the fascinating parts here. Let me just, let me just pull up some tweets for some, cause some, some wild things were happening over the weekend. Um, one that I know that, that we were all kind of talking about was this gentleman named Jason, uh, on Monday, this was uh, tweeted on March 11th, right? So so last week. On Monday, 100,000 Americans will be lined up at their regional bank demanding their money. Most will not get it. This went from Silicon Valley insiders on Thursday to the middle class on Saturday. My, Main Street finds out Monday. Um, and then he also, in a, in a now-deleted tweet, had, had tweeted an image of Fury Road, like a gif from Fury Road. Um, saying that, you know, I'm getting gasoline and guns on Monday. Who's with me, folks? What? Why? Who? All right. First of all, who is this guy? And why do we care that he's tweeting like a, a, a crazy person? Right. Um, so Jason Calacanas, I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, he is, uh, you know, a very prominent uh, tech investor with a long history. So he's just one person. Um you know, probably the most unhinged, but not the only one uh, who over the weekend uh, is sort of in the tech world. And they're predicting like the fall of U.S. banking um, because their sort of highly specialized bank, which served them uh, exclusively almost uh, sort of went under. Um, there's a I don't know really what 100 percent what to read into this because it's kind of like, you know, these guys um, like VCs sort of started this bank run, whether they're like just pure panic or whether they're like not, you know, they've lost faith in SVB, um, whatever it is, you know, they all decided to pull their money out uh, and then sort of started this process. Uh, and now they're saying, oh, this could happen to the entire rest of the U.S. Um, and the image you pulled up has like a Twitter community fact check notification for good reason. Um, because, you know, FDIC insurance uh, covers Americans' bank deposits up to a certain amount, which is quite a large amount for most people. So this this was like never going to happen. This was never right. ideal. 
that on Monday, um, you know, there would be bank runs uh, all over and people would be complete like normal people, not like firms, not massive investors with billions of dollars locked up at these banks, but just like you and me, like average people were going to be uh, out of money. So like what's behind this, maybe some genuine panic um, that says a lot about them, I think, uh, or, you know, um, maybe angling for that bailout uh, by like portraying this as something that like, if is, if it's not fixed immediately, uh, that it would like, you know, spiral out and kind of like wreck the whole economy. And, uh, they got their bailout as we know on Sunday. Right. I mean, the America learned a couple things from the great depression, right? And one of them was that to, to mitigate the disaster of a collapse of the banking industry, that the federal government needs to come in and uh, at least make, normal people whole in case something terrible happens. And I feel like $250,000 in the bank as just like a normal checking account, day-to-day people walking around is usually, it's a pretty good number, right? Um, I think their argument, at least this is one that I saw in a couple places, although I don't remember the specific articles or tweets was that, you know, what about the small businesses, Jordan? Um, the plumber probably has more than $250,000 in the bank, which fair, uh, but also the plumber was not the guy banking at SVB whose investors had done the bank run, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to look at um, what these banks were actually doing and the industries that they actually served. Um, all of these banks were extremely concentrated on the technology sector, which we can include cryptocurrency in, but not like just the technology center, but like the weird speculative corner of the technology sector. So like all of these startups, like, you know, some of these are like biotech firms. They're like, you know, technology, like genuine technology companies, but some of them are just like, you know, paying $6,000 a year to have like a team of people like plan your life, like just like totally unsustainable, frivolous, speculative stuff. Um, And that's just SVB like silver bank, uh, sorry, Silvergate. Uh, and Signature were heavily banking the crypto industry, which um, also highly speculative. We could say somewhat frivolous, at least very, very risky. So, uh, you know, both of these industries have been sort of interest in them has been hammered extremely hard by rising interest rates uh, over the last little bit, which has sort of kicked off a contraction across the entire economy, just like general less risk-taking behavior, people pulling out of like risky stocks, risky assets or asset classes, as we can talk about cryptocurrency. So these banks' core industries were, I, I would say like highly fragile and like panicky and flighty and prone uh, to something like a bank run. So there you kind of have like the the interest rate uh, discussion coming up because it hits these sectors of the economy very hard. Like, you know, we've seen tech stocks like crater completely. Um, cryptocurrency, of course, has experienced collapses. Uh, and this is because I think it's not controversial to say that, you know, we're just in a financial regime right now um, that is comparatively conservative and it's affecting these like sort of very overheated bubbly parts of the economy. And we can include real estate in that as well. Um, first. So in terms of like the risk to like the average, like regional bank, 
Um, some risk is there, obviously, because every bank is experiencing the same financial uh, landscape and restrictions in terms of high interest rates and the effects that that will have on like, you know, the bonds that they hold if they need to like sell them ASAP for whatever reason, a bank run or something like this. Um, but we can't discount that um, these affected banks are concentrated on areas of the economy that are, you know, massive bubbles that popped as soon as money became uh, more scarce and expensive. Right. I want to focus in on one. You, you, you mentioned it and you kind of alluded to it in what you just said right there. Uh, and I want to bring it up the Honda Odyssey uh, mom. Um, so obviously a lot of these people were panicking over the weekend and kind of tweeted out about what their businesses were like and what was going on and how it was not just about the big tech elite, right? How it wasn't just the 1% they're going to be failing. Um, so here we've got, Hi, I'm Lindsay. A bit more about me. Ohio mother of four. I employ a team of 15 at a startup as startup and founder of a C of CEO of strong suit. I drive a Honda Odyssey. My husband works in manufacturing. The financial future of my company team and family are at risk with the collapse of SVB. So <clears throat> she kind of goes into how this is going to affect her and, um, you know, it doesn't, it sounds pretty grim. Um, there's a kind of, but, there's a kind of schadenfreude that, that, that is, was swept people over the weekend as they were watching these kind of tweets roll out and watching people talk about, um, you know, losing their businesses. We find out what strong suit is and how did you describe it? It was like a, uh, yeah, it's like wealthy people paying a huge fee. It's like 600 bucks a month to have like a team of people basically put together an episode of Nathan Fielder's the rehearsal for them. It's kind of the vibe, you know, like, so it's like, you know, I, I don't want to see people lose jobs. Like that's never good. Um, like on like a human level that sucks, but then you look at like what this startup actually is and it's like, Oh, this is like literally indicative of the like insane, like waste of like startups that we've gotten into because of like years of low interest rate lending um, that sort of fueled these like money losing, highly speculative, um, frankly useless, uh, startups that like have the only goal of like, I mean, either losing money forever until they're acquired or, um, like Uber, uh, which is like an example of a tech company that sort of grew in this like era, just like seeking monopoly and like destroying other parts of the economy, uh, on the way to profit. And like, these are the sorts of things that um, the low interest rate economy uh, funded for years uh, and that, you know, Silicon Valley Bank um, banked almost exclusively. Um, and like, I keep bringing in crypto because it's part of this discussion as well. We can't we can't forget that like crypt banks serving cryptocurrency failed as well uh, and that those are similarly like, you know, very um, overheated, speculative um, arguably like more frivolous or at least more risky, um, sectors of the economy. Right. Uh, I've got a question from the audience. I just want to put a pin in because we are absolutely going to talk about it. Uh, super forced. asks, did you guys catch any of the conspiracy theories and all the accusations that DEI caused these two banks to tank? Yes. And we are absolutely going to talk about that, but give me a minute. Cause I want to follow up with Jordan on something he just said. Um, so I think it's really important for people to understand 
what the tech sector has been like in America for the last 10 years. Um, we have had uh, 0% interest rates in this country, which has allowed uh, a lot of new wild ideas to come about, right? A lot of people have been able to try different kinds of businesses to do a weird tech startup like strong suit, where you're going to pay someone a wild amount of money to do your own life, do your own Nathan Fielder's the rehearsal for you. And also things like Uber and DoorDash, these companies that um, those two specifically were looking towards being profitable at a time later when they got a monopoly or when self-driving cars became a thing and your labor costs plummeted. Um, I have a lot of friends, you know, I don't live in neither, neither you nor I live in New York city. Um, a lot of our colleagues do a lot of people that write about this stuff do. So we have, you and I both have different perspectives about this kind of stuff. Um, I live in a, uh, not as affluent area in the South. I have a lot of friends that, that one of the things that helped them get through the pandemic was stuff like, like DoorDash. Um, and it was funny because after the bank collapse stuff happened, I was talking to them over the weekend and one of my, one of the guys that's like a poster child for DoorDash uses it almost every day has a subscription, which is not a thing I knew you could do. I uh, was like, I can't do this anymore. The prices are getting crazy for, for my wife and I, it used to be, uh, you know, $10 more than just going and getting on ourselves. Now it's double and triple the price. I'm paying 60 or $70 a meal to have someone bring it to me. I can't do it anymore. Um, and I know that like that is tangentially related to what we're talking about, but I think it speaks to yeah. this, this kind of thing that we're seeing in the tech industry now where, uh, the boom time of 0% interest rates is over. Uh, the pandemic changed a lot. It shook things up. And now you're seeing the chaff and all these tech startups start to fall away, right? For sure. Like, you know, it's been a long process of like coming back down to reality um, for this sector, which has led to, uh, like you just mentioned, like sort of consumer subsidies ending on gig economy apps, which leads to like the service becoming more expensive. Um, and like, this is kind of like the end process of that. Now that interest rates have risen so high, which is like leading to this, like more conservative outlook in the economy and a contraction of like uh, borrowing and things like that. Like, like I'm not saying like, I'm saying like so much, but I'm not saying that because um, you know, we had all these ridiculous startups. That's why these banks failed or because we had crypto that's why these banks failed. What I'm saying is that it's all part of the same picture of like low interest rates um, leading to this sort of like bubbly economy of really like risky, speculative, um, money losing, frivolous things. Um, and then, you know, when the Fed has sort of hit that big red button over and over and over, raising interest rates, which is something that affects the entire economy, um, including, you know, like we've seen like layoffs. And that's part of this as well. It's just like a general contra contraction to the entire economy. Um, but pushing that big that big button of like rising interest rates, uh, it puts strain on the technology industry, on the crypto industry, makes them more fragile, vulnerable, flighty, panicky. And then on the other side, uh, the bank side with like in terms of the government bonds that it holds, high interest rates, um, kind of fucked them too. Like when it came to like the time that they needed to like sell this stuff, 
um, to like cover this bank run from this like collapsing industry because of high interest rates, they found that they could not make up the money because of high interest rates. So it's like this like widespread thing that is hitting these like very vulnerable overheated sectors first. And they kind of, it feels like they, they, the at Silicon Valley, those investors in that specific bank, they were the ones that panicked. They were the ones that pulled out. Right. right. They, to a certain, to a certain extent, they, they shot themselves. Right. They're the reason the banks collapsed. Um, yeah. So I what, mean, the, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. I was just going to mention that, like, I mean, there's been some discussion around, like, um, the sort of precarious position of banks uh, for a while, specifically Silicon Valley Bank. Um, like, you know, for a couple months, people have been saying, like, hey, banks are, like, offering, like, really high interest on deposits, but they have, like, all these, like, extremely low interest loans, like, sitting around. Like, it wasn't, it's not like a a huge secret that, like, interest rates are high and the effects that it has on, like, securities and, like, um you know, the, the amount of like low interest loans that are out there. It's not like they haven't been going up for a while. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think there was some of that, uh, going into that sort of like panic that kicked off, but you are correct that like, yes, like the bank run doesn't happen without people running. All right. Several listeners we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, welcome back, cyber listeners. We were talking to Jordan Pearson about collapse, re bank. So what's the so what happened on Sunday? What is the nature of this FDIC deal? I know they were they're seeking buyers for these banks, and they're still seeking buyers. I know that a couple of the banks have come in um, and mm-hmm. looked, and then looked at the books, and they're like, "Oh, fuck this, <laughs> back and away." Right? Right. Um, yeah. So this is a bailout. Uh, there was some discussion about like whether to use that word or not, but I think it is. But it's also worth um, differentiating it from the 2008 bailouts. Um, so in in 2008, like they actually bailed out the banks. Like the banks can like continue to exist, and they passed a law um, to help these banks out by buying some of their like distressed assets. Um, and, you know, basically the government kind of like entered, uh, the business of buying up what these banks had on their books, um, to eventually make a profit itself, um, and sort of continue these banks operations. This is a little bit different because, um, they are bailing out depositors. Uh, so what that means is that if you had money in, uh, Silicon Valley Bank or in Signature, the government is saying, like, we're taking control of this bank. We are going to find someone to buy it. Like, who knows what that's going to be? It might just even just be a formality. Like, we just, you know, give these deposits a good home type thing. Um, And in the meantime, we'll backstop your money if you need it. Um, 
So, and in that it's a little different because the shareholders are getting wiped out. Um, like people who invested in the bank uh, are not being bailed out. The management of the bank is not being bailed out. They're all being fired. Um, but who is being bailed out are the depositors, which are um, technology firms. Uh, so in that sense, it's like, yes, they are continuing like, you know, Silicon Valley Bank will be purchased probably and will continue probably under the name Silicon Valley Bank in some form. Um, but it's not like they like rewarded the uh, top management of the bank or the shareholders in the bank. They're just ensuring that these technology companies can have payroll this week uh, and will can have continued access to their money. Um, so that is basically the state of play now. Um, as far as I understand, like, and this in, this happened internationally as well. So like Silicon Valley bank, Canada arm was seized by Canadian regulators. Um, it's UK arm, uh, you know, was also placed on receivership. Um, so this is happening, uh, everywhere with these firms. Um, but yeah, that's basically, that's basically the state of play. And I want to point out this line, uh, in the announcement kind of about what's going on just to make sure that, that we're all on the same page, no losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley bank will be borne by the taxpayer. Do we know how they're, how they're avoiding that? Yeah, they're avoiding that by uh, getting money from other banks to cover uh, deposits. So basically, you know, these banks are banks in the U S Major banks, regional banks um, are going to uh, pay a fee to the government um, or they pay fees already. And uh, this pool of funds is what they're going to pull from um, to uh, backstop deposits. So that's why they're saying, like, you know, there's going to be no uh, like no losses will be borne by the by the taxpayer. Um, there's some argument to be had about like whether there's like some sort of like sneaky subsidy going on here. Um, in terms of like, you know, how they're valuing um, collateral and assets and things like this. Um, but in terms of like the dollars, they're going to be backstopping depositors. The idea is, is that banks themselves will pay for this. Right. And there's a lot of this is we're, we're talking on, you know, Tuesday, the 14th. A lot of different things can happen between now and whenever this gets resolved. Right. Who knows how it's going to play out? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there could be a run on another bank and who knows, they may end up being in a similar situation. We don't know. But so far, um, you know, if we talk about like how the market is valuing things, you know, the market can be wrong, obviously. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we're seeing just like on the stocks, at least there's some like faith um, that, you know, these regional banks aren't going to like suddenly go under this week. But as you said, you know, surprises can always be on the way. Uh, here's a decent question from the audience. And I think, uh, I think I know the answer and the answer is possibly not quite yet. Uh, I think we'll need more information, but uh, the question is, has anything been said by Congress or Biden about how they're going to view, uh, avoid this in future via policy? Uh, no is the answer, right? JP is like to a yeah, certain I extent, I don't think I've heard that. Yeah. Um, and to a certain extent, like, this is like working as intended, right? I think to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's been some discussion about in terms of policy change, whether, you know, there will be another interest rate hike. Like there's kind of a saying that's like interest rates go up until something breaks. 
now something's broken. Does that mean, you know, no more hikes? But um, I think people are anticipating still more hikes because uh, like, yes, uh, no one likes to see banks go under. It's scary. Um, but, you know, inflation is still a thing. And the government has like the Fed has one tool to do to cool inflation. And that is interest rates. Um, so, you know, like I've kind of been thinking about like China with like regards to this whole thing, because if you're in a country like China where the government is like very strong um, has like more direct control over industries and the economy, like they can just like sort of direct industries at will more than here. Um, I mean, Congress could always legislate, but as we know, that is going to be like probably a non-starter. Um, but you know, so in China, they've been cracking down on the tech industry for a few years on the growth of the tech industry and on firms They've been cracking down on real estate borrowing and they can just do this. They can just be like today, no more real estate borrowing. We don't care that like these houses are being built. Um, Like we just need to like put a damper on this and we're going to do it. Um, In the States, uh, they have one tool and that's interest rates. And it's just like a tool of like general pain um, to sort of, cool um inflation which is driven by uh i mean in my mind uh largely just like corporate avarice and seeing how far they can push it um when money is cheap um so yeah like you hit this big red button and that causes general pain uh and no surprise it's hitting these same industries that china worked hard to suppress because they are overheated bubbles and in a sense a drain uh, on the economy because they destroy value uh, when they go bust. Um, so there was some discussion, like I just mentioned, like, you know, like whether this is it, like no more interest rate hikes, but there's still more to do. Like, you know, there's the economy is still hot in the, and the, the job market keeps, being better, performing better than expected, right? We had another job job report at the end of the last week uh, on the tail end of this collapse that was like, hey, guess what? Uh, unemployment's still down. Still lots of people getting jobs, despite all this stuff from the tech sector. Right. Yeah, you know, J-Pow hates to see it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But they definitely want to see, you know, they want to see more layoffs. They want to see more contraction um in like probably like real estate and technology investing and like all of these like really really overheated um parts of the economy i'd have a question from futterman's rule that is uh, a better version of that question we were workshopping earlier uh before we jumped on the call um it seems the tech industry has a size and influences factors that are that are almost have a separate growth recession type cycle than the larger economy Given one can influence the other, uh, but are we in a tech industry recession right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we're in um, in everything recession. That's kind of that's kind of my whole like theory of the case here, um, which is that 
technology is not that special. Technology rode the same wave of low interest rates um, as everything else. Like maybe it's like the most extreme example. Maybe it made the most use of the low interest rate regime um, to become as like overheated and bubbly uh, as it did. And because we have these like rising interest rates that are putting like downward pressure, like pullback across the entire economy, it's these like really overextended areas that are getting hit hardest first. So is tech like separate? Um, No, I think it was like maybe just like the poster child of the previous regime's rise. And now it's the poster child of that same regime's fall which is, you know, loose money and um, frivolous investing. Uh, I'm gonna, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up a Wall Street Journal headline, and I apologize, but we're going to use it for a transition to another topic. Uh, somebody in chat pointed out that this kind of broke while we've been talking. I, th- I think maybe, I don't know if you saw it right before we jumped on, uh, but now the Justice Department and the SEC are going to be investigating SVB. So throwing that out there too. There you uh, go. Uh, but speaking of the Wall Street Journal, uh, another aspect of this is the something is the what Super Forsty brought up. Um, there was it, it was funny to watch over the weekend, kind of the narratives around this thing shape, and people were trying to figure out how this collapse was going to kind of fit into their politics and their pet issues and what they were going to say about it uh, and what it meant writ large about the world and America. Um, and one of the takes uh, that ended up getting its own Wall Street Journal opinion piece was that diversity it was was that Silicon Valley was too woke, um, and this was all because of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that because of uh, because Silicon Valley was too woke that these banks collapsed collapsed. What 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 even what what? I mean. I'm Canadian. <laughs> so, uh I'm an I'm an observer from afar of American culture wars, but they never cease to fascinate. I mean, obviously this is dis- a disgusting um thing to say and to promote. Um like that Wall Street Journal piece was like they had like one black executive, therefore they failed. Um you know, it's stu- it's stupid. Like it's it's pure racist stupidity um, that, you know, wokeness or DEI or ESG um, caused these banks to fail. Like what these banks care about is um, profit and what they'll do to chase it. It's like, is the U.S. Army any less lethal and, um, you know, a tool for American expansionism because it encourages, you know, LGBTQ um, or people of color to join it. Like, no, they want recruits who are capable and they need to like, you know, reach those people. Um, So I guess that is just to say, like, it has nothing at all to do with this. Like, it's like, it's ridiculous on its face to say like, um, oh, this bank wouldn't have collapsed if like they hadn't like hired a black person. It's completely insane. Um, let me let and- me read for the people listening at home. Let me read from this the, the the little bit that's absolutely wild. the The article is "Who Killed Silicon Valley Bank" by Andy Kessler in the Wall Street Journal. Again, it's in their op ed section. Uh, 
But was there a regulatory failure? Perhaps. SVB was regulated like a bank, but looked more like a money market fund. Then there's this. In its proxy statement, SVB notes that besides 91% of their board being independent and 45% women, they also have one black, one LGBTQ+, and two veterans. I'm not saying 12 white men would have avoided this mess, but the company may have been distracted by diversity demands. Which is, yeah, just a completely wild thing to write as this bank collapses, right? It makes no sense. Um, It's also definitely part of like this wider culture war in the States of just like, you know, blaming um, everything on diversity, which is, I mean, it's just racist. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's not much too much to say. Like, obviously now this did not like lead to SPB's collapse. And it also, it obscures us talking about like more salient and important things that are actually illuminating, like, you know, the role of interest rates, the history of the tech industry, the history of real estate in this country, um, you know, cycles in the economy, uh, you know, looking at what other countries are doing. All of this is like swept under the rug when you start talking about this nonsense. It doesn't surprise me to see it on like Tucker Carlson. Right. Um, But, you know, it is a little bit surprising to see it in the Wall Street Journal. It's like, aren't you supposed to know what's going on? Or like, do you have to like just pander to this like group? Like, I don't really understand. I don't know the process. I mean, again, that article happened again. It is there. I'll I'll defend Wall Street Journal just a little bit because it is their op-ed section and the op-ed sections in the major newspapers of the world exist to make people angry uh, and get people riled up. Right. It's not their traditional reporting. It still sucks, but the Wall Street Journal has written a lot of, has published a lot of, and the New York Times as well, has published a lot of wild, uh, inane op-eds over the years, right? For sure. So Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to speculate on how that article came about or, like, what decisions were made, but, like, it says what it says, and it's ridiculous. Uh, it didn't get a lot of traction, though. I felt I, I felt like most of the conversation I saw around this were that article specifically were people dunking on it, um, and yeah. that most people were not kind of distracted by this go woke go broke question, and were really focused on um, should we bail this thing out? Yeah, and this is true on Twitter, but I will say that like I think it's clear that like this um, this sort of line is spreading on like Fox News and like probably people who watch Fox news. Like if you talk to them, they're like, what's happening. They're like, Oh, diversity. That wouldn't surprise me, which is, um, yeah. All they hear is Silicon Valley. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it's funny because like you, on one hand, it's like, I, obviously I can see the argument. Like if someone wants to make it that it's like, Oh, we shouldn't, you know, the government shouldn't be bailing out wealthy depositors at all. Or like, shouldn't be like backstopping. Like I get that. Um, but then it's like, why do you have to add the woke thing? Like, does it really play? I guess it does. Um, sadly, but like, it just makes no sense. Like, it's like, it would be funny if it wasn't so, um, real and upsetting. All right. So let's, 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 let's look towards getting out of here. What, uh, what are you watching in the American economy over the next couple months? You write about this stuff a lot. You're uh, you're you're a heavy watcher. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Where do you think we're going? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to I mean, it depends on what the Fed does next. Largely, like I'm based on what I'm seeing. Probably they'll raise interest rates again. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, but we can definitely see that firms are already preparing for more downturn. 
um, like GM is like trying to cut the majority of its uh, like white collar workforce uh, in the coming months. And that's like tens of thousands of people. Um, Meta just did another layoff of like more than 10,000 people today in the technology sector, notably. Um, so when will this end? I don't know. Like the thing about like the banks, like this is something I keep coming back to is like, these are not like the first dominoes in like a chain of like economic collapse. They're like the middle dominoes that, I mean, I don't know when it started. Did it start when interest rates rise? Did it start when interest rates went to zero? Did it start 20 or 30? Like, you know, when does that start? I don't know. But like, we can say like, at least since the start of interest rates rising, like they're a middle domino here. Um, Those next dominoes may not be in banking. Those next dominoes might just be in like more layoffs, more like general pullback. Those next dominoes might be in real estate, which like, as we all know, is like feeling um, the interest rate crunch, but like, you know, nothing has broken yet. Um, So, I mean, I'm casting a wide net in terms of where I'm looking for effects because like interest rates, like I said, are, they're a blunt weapon uh, and they affect everything. And they're like, you know, tech and crypto, some of like the most and first affected industries because of just how they benefited from that regime in the first place. Um, But, you know, there was, I think probably there will be effects elsewhere as well to look out for. All right. One last question. Does this mean Jordan, that I'm going to stop getting cold emails and phone calls from crypto and NFT startups. I don't think that'll ever stop. Oh God. If that ever stops, there's something wrong in the, in the balance of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be getting automated emails from like crypto companies, like long after we're uploaded into the AI cloud and our physical bodies have decomposed. <laughs> we'll be getting NFT pitches for your soul. <laughs> Jordan Pearson, Managing Editor at Motherboard. Thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through this. I'm going to have you on again soon, I think, to talk about artificial intelligence and uh, how it is the bizarre new gold rush and maybe how it's affected by any of this. Is it? We'll see. Uh, but that That's another time. Thank you so much for stepping in and uh, listening. If you were part of our audience today on either twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV or youtube.com forward slash motherboard where you can watch us live. Thank you so much for stopping by. You, a lot of great questions, a lot of great chatter in the in the the comments section today. Um, this will be available as a podcast very very soon, and I will be back a little bit later this week with another conversation uh, uh, about the horrifying things going on in the tech sector and the internet. Stay safe out there. Um, if you didn't listen to the last episode, get rid of LastPass seriously, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.